At the end-of-year dinner of the Institution of Transportation Engineers Australia and New Zealand branch in 2018, Roger Dunn was honoured for his contribution to the transport profession made over many years, principally as an Associate Professor in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the University of Auckland and as a Fellow and Life Member of the ITE. Prior to joining the University of Auckland in 1972, Roger worked for the New Zealand Ministry of Works and Development in Palmerston North and Wellington, and then Freeman Fox, Wilbur Smith and Associates in London and Paris. The link between academia, business and government activities is critically important, so we thought we would have a chat to Roger on his reflections from an illustrious career. So, Roger, have you spent your main part of your career in academia? Yes, I have, and rather surprisingly, because I spent about 10 years in the Ministry of Works in, uh, in New Zealand, and then I went to England for three years, and I was consulting engineering over there, and uh, surprisingly, someone offered me a job at the University of Auckland, which I originally said no, and then eventually accepted, but I've thoroughly enjoyed my stay here. You started in engineering, yet I think reading your CV, you have seen a lot of broader career areas, focused areas, come into the transport field. Would that be a fair reflection? Oh, yes. Yes, I've always been interested in uh, mathematics and the New South Wales master's degree, which I did, took me an interest in that area. And then I became interested in planning Ross Blunden, who was professor there, and the other staff, it was a great program at New South Wales, and it really interested me, and so I've been very thrilled to be able to be working in the area. Ross Blunden was my professor uh, way back there. He was uh, a wonderfully interesting guy. We've now not only taken on the mathematical side of things, but also some of the social sciences as well. Oh, yes. Is that an important expansion? I've always been interested in land use planning, you know, the arrangement of land use and transport, and that was sparked, I think, by Ross Blunden and others at New South Wales. But I did a a postgraduate diploma here, which is more or less a master's degree in land use planning, and I've got a lot of friends of mine in land use planning. And I I think that's an area where we're deficient in, in, in linking transport with land use. I don't think we... We realise the importance of it and have learnt that over the last 40 or 50 years, but I still don't think we take it into account with our planning and our transport. Well, certainly not nearly enough. And to take it into account requires further research and understanding of how they interact. Oh, yes. Yes, it does. And, and I think that's the difficulty in engineering or study transport engineering we tend to concentrate on the topic areas like pavements or road safety or geometrics or traffic signals or whatever the topic happens to be, but we don't look at the interaction with the travel behaviour. And, of course, technology has made a huge difference in recent years, particularly with mobile phones. Are a lot of your the students that you had recently still coming from an engineering profession? Oh, yes. We have a graduate postgraduate program, and a lot of them with minor exceptions, are are engineering, and with minor exceptions are civil engineering. So in general terms, we don't attract many people from planning or business or allied professions, principally because we 
have a postgraduate program which starts off at level eight um, in our terminology and they don't really have the background and they don't have the expertise. So you think that there would be value in trying to address the, the, the much broader directions in the same way as they try to encourage people into engineering we have to look at the very early parts of their education do you think we need to be looking at everything from even high school through to undergraduate where we might be trying to introduce this sort of broader concept yes we cover a, a fairly full spectrum in our program from pavements right through to travel behaviour and that's increased a lot in recent years Mm. and principally because we have a significant number of women on our program, our undergraduate program well over 25% now and the postgraduate program uh, I would think would probably be even greater. So it has broadened a lot David but I I, I still think we don't have the connections yet that we understand, but I also think technology makes a difference. I mean, the, the mobile phone has just made a fantastic difference to the whole of society and the way that we operate and the way that we do business. And I think that's very hard to guess for the future as to what the next phase might be. Well, it becomes very hard to analyse why, where and when people will travel when they can do some things electronically. Yes. Do you also see that, you know, the mobile phone and that is starting to give us data? If we track people by them, we begin to understand, certainly understand or at least see more of the diversity and the sort of trips that are starting to be made. That whole area of bringing in big and other data, is that representing a major change, do you think? Oh, I think we're getting a lot better data, and, and I think you're aware, as I am, of uh, the Ost Rhodes, John Reed's presentations that he's made recently about big data, and I think we're learning a lot more about it. But I, I think the, the weakness is we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> and um, I think whilst we're, I think, improving the analytical side and we're understanding more I think there's two things there. We don't know what we don't know. And secondly, too, is we don't know what factors or influences there will be for the future. I mean, I come back to mobile phones again. It's It's been a fantastic change in society and the way that we do a lot of things. And it's all down to that technology. One of the things about big data is that we think that we've got a huge number of measurements. And so we've got a fantastic result yet we still need to be doing those sort of household surveys and so on to get the nuances, to get the extra information to understand why, not just what they're doing. Yes, I I think we could do a lot more interviews, which are time-consuming and costly. And I also think we could sit down with relevant people. How you would choose them would be an open question to decide on how you might plan various land use infrastructure and and transport. I'd like to see more in that field. I think we've lost a lot of that. We're collecting data from mobile phones, for example, and we're getting a lot of data as to what people are doing. But I don't know whether we're actually talking and intelligently asking people questions about the future of what might happen. I I think that's a, a, a weakness. 
Yes, because it's very easy to make technology just to do what we currently do a bit better. Yes. What will happen is we, we could, when will, change enormously what we do and how we do it. It's not just a question of a faster trip down the road. It's a question of whether we want the road or need the road or use the road in any way that we might in the future. That's correct, yes. yes. And, I, and I also think that what's happened in the transport field, and this is happening in, in um, Australia as well as New Zealand, the, the government organisations, like I used to work in the Ministry Works in my early career, uh, that doesn't exist here now. We used to have the city engineer, and we used to have the city, even the city traffic engineer. A lot of those people now are in different administrative roles in the organisation and a lot of councils and a lot of government organisations are using consultants which I think are extremely successful and extremely good and their level of expertise is much higher than uh, we used to have in the past but the difference is we have a lot of committees and political mm. suggestions and committees that are that are making plans for land use and transport, and I'm not quite sure whether that is leading to better efficiency and to better plans and better design, because you, you tend to find that the loudest voice hmm. gets the greatest say, and that might be good and it may not be. The de-skilling in terms of the inbuilt understanding in within governments tends to be lost. It, it has been said, and I've said it elsewhere, that engineers are very good at solving a problem, but you've got to make sure you're giving them the right problem to solve. Yes, correct. And so in Australia, we're seeing, and there's deep concerns about the de-skilling, it appears as though that's a similar problem in New Zealand. But it applies even to the, the maintenance of our roads. Just travelling around in the last uh, few weeks, I've just noticed a lot of the the maintenance on our roads is not being done because the, we used to have people who used to do nothing else but look at the maintenance. Now we have contracts. Hmm. So whilst it might be more efficient and in terms of finance as well as in manpower, it's not getting the job done in the, in the same way. And I, and I know that's not what we've just been talking about, but it's a symptom of the same problem. No, no, absolutely. A colleague of mine has seen signposting and line marking go the same way so that yes. something gets fixed only after it's broken or only yes. after someone highlights that it's been broken. And I think the climate changes that we're taking place, we're going to have a lot more floods and people realise that, but I'm not at all sure that... The local authorities, certainly in New Zealand, and we're thinking about it at the university level, but I don't know whether the government and local government levels are thinking about it, about the amount of stormwater that needs to be run off from the various land uses that we have. They don't seem to maintain the infrastructure, I'm talking about the water infrastructure now, as opposed to the transport infrastructure as they used to. And I, I think it's, it's going to come home to... Uh, create some issues in the near future. See, insurance companies are taking active steps. I used to use work in the area yes. with the notion of climate change. I, I don't care about it being debated in the political environment. I think that's no. probably the totally wrong environment to, to talk about it. It is being considered or needs to be considered at the local level yes. and its impact. Oh, yes. Climate is changing, whether 
what the reasons are, um, we don't need to worry about. It is changing, and we, and we need to adapt accordingly. It, that, that's that's a very very uh, practical approach to it. In the same way that a lot of decisions about infrastructure get involved in a political process, we lose sight of the practical realities in terms of people, as you said earlier, just shouting their particular opinion, which may not be based on much reality. Yeah, I think, as I said, looking at road maintenance, coming back to that point, the the, the people on the road don't have the skin in the game now as they used to have. And the same applies to a lot of the, the planning of electricity as well as transport, as well as schools, as well as all the infrastructure. The people that were in the game uh, were there as career positions. Now their positions are out in the private industry, which tends to be extremely competent, but but they're coming in on a once rather than 40 years of, of professional work. The other thing we're seeing in Australia is that positions within government are fundamentally project management, which suggests that you try and drive a process to get on time and on budget without always succeeding, I might add. But it goes back to that point, are we doing the right project? Correct. I don't care if you say, well, I did it better than some might expect. If it's the wrong project, we've all lost out. Yes, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that's exactly what's happening, that projects are being run on a management basis, which, which means they're efficiently done and everything's accounted for. But the question then is arises is that the people that are involved don't have sort of skin in the game, they haven't had the experience, the knowledge, and they don't stay with it to see whether it's successful or not. Oh, well, that's another issue of re- evaluating after the event as to whether you achieved what you... Yes what you really needed to achieve not not just oh well we made it on time and on budget but its impact its social impact yes correct i agree i agree we've met of course through the institute of transportation engineers you've been involved in that particular institute i believe yes for many years and i think it's a wonderful institution as we discussed at the um, president's dinner and there's a marvelous initiative by the students at Monash University and I guess their staff with the uh, transport engineers at Monash, TEM as they call it. They have a very impressive program. I've um, been in contact with those people since the dinner, thanks to uh, you and others. And uh, I'm most impressed because I really do feel that professional organisations have a lot to offer professionals in their careers. And The difficulty that young professionals have is, do I or don't I? And one of the questions, of course, is money. Time sometimes is an issue, but typically it's money. And uh, when you're a young professional, you have then a a lower salary and you don't see the world quite in in the perspective that you do later on. And I think a lot of young professionals don't join professional societies because of financial reasons. And also because of they're playing sport and they're doing all sorts of other things. But I think certainly in my career, I've been delighted to be a a long-standing member of ITE, um, also a member of what's called now Engineering New Zealand. 
Mm. Um, I was also a member of several other organisations, and I think they're all very valuable, but they're costly in terms of real money, and I think if we can encourage people to join those institutions, take part in them, I think it, it does not only the profession well, but it also does society well because the benefits of joining those societies and taking part in them is, is I think, um, well beyond any money that you can earn. And the thing about the Monash activity, which I went to, was lovely, was the opportunity to give undergraduates to go to a conference. Yes, yes. That quite often, once you get into the higher levels of, be it the government or, or that, that you might be able to go to conferences, but to get the young people where they met a variety of people, including a developer, yes. which was a lovely experience for them because he wasn't the mean, you know, money, you know, well, obviously profit is a huge issue, but he was visionary yes. in his approach. And that in itself, I think, was particularly relevant and good. And now what's happening now is we're driving down costs and that reduces the amount of time to think broadly. Yes. And environments such as ITE give a chance to be able to do that, I hope, in a very cost-effective and time-effective way, but at least an opportunity, because you're not going to get it with someone breathing down your neck to give an answer at work within the next 10 minutes. Yes. But I think the social activity of those organisations is, is important. And I also think the connections that you get, the, the breadth you... You see what other people are doing. You make all sorts of friends. You see colleagues and you know who to contact. I think it's uh, it's just wonderful. But the difficulty with going to conferences, which I strongly support as well, David, is the cost. Um, most conferences are four to $600 a day, you know, and if you go to two or three days, you know, and then you've got travel as well, not to mention your salary, that once again, it's expensive. But I think in the long run, it's a very valuable contribution to society as well as the individual. While it may not give you that sort of social interaction as much, we are still getting modern technology with webinars and so on, giving yes. opportunities to interact. I'm not saying they're a total solution. I'm not saying they're an exact replica of a conference, yet they are part of the mix. Yes, very valuable. All right, Roger, I've taken a lot of your time and I appreciate that greatly and perhaps we might catch up again in the future. You're great, David. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. And that was Roger Dunn, who has had a long career in government and business before joining the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the University of Auckland.